Well, good morning. Do you remember me? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> oh, man, you have no idea how that does for my self-esteem. I mean, <laughs> for someone who has such a low self-esteem, that feels great. Man, thank you. Thank you. For those of you who may not know who I am, I'm Pastor Craig. And uh, yes, I still am on staff here at Shepherd's Gate. I work with the senior ministry. I do sick and shut in, uh, things that Pastor Tim uh, asks me to do uh, in addition to that. And so it's a real honor and privilege to be able to be uh, with you here today. I had somebody who was at an event last night, and so a member from Shepherd's Gate comes running up to me. He hadn't seen me in a while. And they're like all excited. They're like, Pastor Craig, I thought I was seeing things. And I'm like, no, it's not a ghost. I mean... You know, so it really is uh, great to, to be here. It's like uh, being at home. And so it's kind of like, you know, we're coming to the end of our series today. Life is not a formula. And I thought that retirement for me would be like a rocking chair and, you know, fishing and golfing and maybe traveling, doing some traveling. That was my formula for retirement. But God had other ideas. Uh, God's formula was like, Craig, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, you're not done yet, um, so we still continue to be active in his church, and I, I kind of see it like being on mission, uh, being sent out from uh, Shepherd's Gate, been uh, in the area, uh, helping other churches also, uh, where they've uh, fallen short of help, and, and they've needed uh, uh, someone to come in and uh, help them out a little bit, so we've been around, and uh, God's doing some uh, great and wonderful things, and um, our formula for our life is not always what, you know, God intended for us, and so, um, and as we come to the end of the series, that's what we've kind of seen throughout this whole series, that life is not always easy, it's not always coming in a nice, neat package, and neat and clean, and sometimes it gets messy, and that we need to make changes in our life to adjust to what God's formula uh, is for us. That's what this whole uh, series has been about. And today, as we come to the end uh, of the series, we're kind of taking a look at the question, why does it seem so easy for them? Now, a lot of this message, and for a lot of this message for you, isn't going to be like earth-shattering, brand-new stuff, okay? This is going to be like a, remi- a big reminder service. This is going to be like something that we need to be reminded of. That's why you come to church every week, you know that? Because by Monday morning, you're like going, what was that message about? <laughs> so we need to be in church every week and say, this is going to be about, this is going to be some reminders that we, that we need to know uh, and, and to come uh, and understand again. So uh, why does it seem so easy for them? As we live our daily life, you and I know that our experience in life, according to the world, is that worldly success equals godly success, that the more that you are successful in the world, that's kind of what God wants for your life. So sometimes, but you know, we go about living and we go like, but why does it seem so easy for other people? Because other people seem to have easy way of think, doing things, of living, don't they? Um, take my wife Sue for example. She, uh, I think she has like a spiritual, uh, uh, some sort of lucky charm uh, uh, above her head. Because everywhere she goes, um, she always seems to be on the winning side of things. A number of years ago, the bank that she worked for, we, they had an event at the zoo. So we took the kids to the zoo, spent the whole day at the zoo taking pictures with our expensive uh, family camera, and sh- it got lost. And we looked for it, couldn't find it. And so at the end of the day, there was a picnic and a drawing by the bank for a new camera. Guess who won? <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding. A couple years later, uh, she's working for another company. 
she's on me about getting a new TV. And I'm like, why? What's wrong with the old one? It works. <laughs> you turn it on, there's sound, there's a picture. Why do we need a new TV? She says, well, you know, there's HD. And I said, what's that? <laughs> So anyway, so we go to this family thing, or this uh, company picnic, and they have, guess what, a drawing for a TV. Guess who wins? <laughs> Mike, you got to be kidding me. So we go down to Tennessee a couple weeks ago. We spent the weekend in um, Gatlinburg area, Pigeon Forge. Anybody ever been there? Oh, beautiful country, isn't it? Yeah. Never actually spent uh, any time there. It's just kind of traveling through on the way to Florida and back, but we spent a week down there. Gosh, man, it's uh, gorgeous. Anyway, we're driving down there, and uh, we stop at, uh, get off and to refuel, and we go inside, and I was paying for the fuel, and I'm, I don't normally pay the, uh, play the lottery, but I'm like, you know what, give me a scratch-off ticket. And she's standing right next to me, so I take my ticket, head to the car, and she's like, hmm, that seems like a good idea, so she gets one. Yeah, you know what's coming, right? <laughs> so we get in the car, and I scratch off my ticket, zero zilch, nada, nothing, just tear it up. She scratches it off. She goes, oh, look at that, $10. <laughs> Some people just seem to uh, have it easy in life. Seem to, everything always kinds of, uh, seems to go their way. Why is it easy for them? Sometimes it seems that perhaps we do not live the life of a normal Christian. Uh, maybe we're not living the, the life of the normal Christian. At least that's what it seems. We read about the experiences of other people on Facebook, and their lives always seem to be uh, happy. We encounter them at the store, and it appears that their lives are happy each and every day. Um, it seems that everything goes their way. They've achieved a lot in life. They've traveled extensively, and they're very popular. I mean, my goodness. If you go on their Facebook page, they got like, you know, thousands of friends, you know. And then here we are with just like 50 or 60. <laughs> they're popular. They travel. Begin to wonder maybe what went wrong. <laughs> what went wrong when so many of them are Christian? Why does it seem so easy for them? And their prayers, their prayers, all their prayers get answered. Every single one of them. You run into the store, and God is always doing something dynamic in their life. It's like one miracle after another. And you're like, what? Why is it so easy for them? And then there are those who aren't Christian. They have all the toys in life, they're successful. We begin to think perhaps maybe that the formula for life is that worldly success equals godly success. I mean, you and I, you know, we come to worship every week. We pray in faith. We serve others. Yet we experience the downside of life. Nothing uh, seems to go our way. Uh, perhaps we just can't catch a break in life. Life sometimes is just hard. Temptation is to become enthralled with all of the things that they go through, to be listening to them, um, thinking that all of their lavish lifestyle and their abilities, and that's all normal. Perhaps we even become a little bit jealous of them. The temptation is to listen to them and to think that that is normal. When this happens, I think that we've lost sight of what God's real formula for success is. So what does a normal Christian life look like? What's normal? We're going to be taking a look at a letter that Paul wrote. If you want to get chair Bibles out in front of you, uh, or if you have a Bible on your app, you can uh, get that out. Feel free to open up your app, page 969, chair Bible in front of you. We're going to be taking a look at um, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 11, 20 through 29, 
as he kind of experienced uh, this same thing in his life where others were making it look so easy to be a Christian and to spread the gospel and so he had to straighten out the Corinthians he tells us and we see in this reading that godly success equals living the gospel it's all about taking to heart the gospel living faith in Jesus Christ and then going out and living it delivering that message to the world let me kind of set this up for you before we read it what was happening was a lot of the Christians in Corinth were being swept away by a group of men claiming to be apostles of Christ who had come from Jerusalem and what these men were doing was they were boasting about their tremendous accomplishments for Christ as a result the Corinthians were in danger of following their false teachings and then instead of listening to Paul who was the apostle who had been in Corinth with them, who had prayed and brought them to faith, and who loved them. What Paul writes to them is about what normal Christianity is. It's not what these other guys are teaching and preaching. Now, Paul is not one giving to boasting. He's not one to uh, go around talking about a lot of the things that he's experienced in his life. In fact, he even says that's not what Christians should be doing about that kind of a thing but he says in this particular instance I'm going to have to do this this is before we get to our text he says I'm going to have to go ahead and do this because this is the only way that you're going to listen so then he launches into uh, chapter 11 beginning at verse 20 for you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face to my shame I must say we were too weak for that but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. When he's reminding them that he doesn't want to do this, but he's doing this because he needs to point this out to them. So then he begins to ask a bunch of questions of them regarding these false apostles. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offerings of Abra- offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And am I not indigent? So, what does a normal Christian look like? What is the formula? What was happening was these false prophets or these false apostles were actually becoming arrogant and boastful. And you and I know that that kind of mentality that depends upon bragging and getting people's attention always tends ultimately towards arrogance. So what they were doing is they were bragging about their ancestry. They were bragging about their teaching and the service that they had done for Jesus. And the numbers of people that were listening to them. They were making it look so easy, making it look so easy as compared to Paul. 
Some of the Corinthians have completely swallowed up these false teachers, lying that they are actually put up with their arrogance and insults without protesting. These guys were insulting the people, and they just simply sat there and took it without protest. It all looked so easy for them. that The Corinthians were buying into their way of thinking and what success looked like. And so Paul writes to them. He tells the Corinthians all that he has experienced for Christ. And he also tells them that it is in weakness that he is made strong. It's in the weak things, that he, in the trials that he experienced. Earlier in his letter, he wrote to the Corinthians and he explained to them why he had went through all of these things. In 5, 14, 15, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one, who has, one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So what does a normal Christian life look like? It doesn't look like these, what these false apostles are teaching and saying. It's not about bragging about self. It's not about having everything always go our way. Rather, it's about living the gospel. It's about taking to heart the gospel. It's about taking to heart what Christ has done for you and then going out and living it and succeeding in it by the help of the Holy Spirit. So God's formula is godly success equals living the gospel. Why? Why is the good news of salvation through faith in Christ the main thing in our life? Well, first of all, because it tells us what Christ has done for us. You and I, eh, we're in a situation that we did not have a relationship with God the Father, the creator of the world, your creator, the one who created all living things. We didn't have a relationship. The Bible tells us that we were his enemies. We were dead to sin. That we were going to be eternally damned if something didn't happen to save us. And by God's grace, God the Father came up with a plan and he sent Christ into the world. And it was through his life, his death, and his resurrection that he accomplished for us what we cannot do. And that through faith in him, we are saved. We have the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. That's the gospel. And that is the key thing in our life. The gospel calls us, it tells us that he chose us. He has called us to be holy and blameless. He has chosen us to be his kids. Paul writes that it's the love of God for us that controls us. When we understand the good news, when we understand the gospel and what Christ has done for us, then we go out and we love our neighbor. That gospel calls us to action. It first tells us what Christ has done, it then calls us to action. Christ has called us to follow him, to pick up our cross, to follow him. The cross that Jesus is talking about, you know, we experience a lot of things in our daily life, and you, I know you all know this too, because we all have it going on. There's things that we have going on in our lives that are a result of living in a broken world. We wish they didn't happen, but we experience them. The things that Jesus is talking about and picking up our cross are those things that we experience because of our faith in him. And picking up our cross and following him involves some things. It involves self-denial. It involves giving up things, earthly possessions, to follow Jesus, perhaps. 
You may be asked to do that. It might mean giving up relationships that are keeping you from following Jesus Christ. It might mean giving up being honored by people. Possessions are good gifts from God. And they are from him for us to be used on this earth. But our focus is not on them. To remember they're on loan from him. And not to let those possessions pull us away from him. The purpose of the cross, those things that we go through in our life, is not, God's not punishing us. God's not punishing us. But rather, he is using those things to make us humble. Put, put down that sinful flesh that we have inside of us and to help us to deny the world's formula for success. To seek God in prayer and to trust him. Why does it seem so easy? For them. You know, when we ask that question, it's almost as if we're letting the joy of salvation, the joy of God in our life, be taken away from us. Our encouragement to you would, not, would be not to let that happen, not to let the joy of what Christ has done for you be taken from you. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes to the church at Galatia about the gifts the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit. It has nine different parts, nine characteristics of a Christian life that the Holy Spirit produces. It's the Spirit's fruit. It's a gift. And one of those characteristics, one part of that fruit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And joy has to do with God when we are glad because of his divine mercy as we endure the trials of this world. Luther once wrote, God did not come to make us sad, but joyful. When we have joy of the Spirit is when the heart rejoices inwardly through faith in Jesus Christ because it knows for certainty that he is our Savior and High Priest and outwardly demonstrates this joy in its words and its actions. That's God's formula for success, to live the gospel, to take it to heart and to go and live it. We are called to follow Jesus. We are also called to share the gospel. Each and every one of us in this room has a holy calling. You are ordained by God with something to do. He has placed you in the lives of many people. Whether you be a mother, a father, brother, aunt, uncle, sister, employer, employee, whatever situation you might find in your life, God has placed you there and has placed people in your life to witness to, to share this good news. They are there for a reason. And when we go out and we do that, when we go out and share this good news of what Christ has done in our life, it's not always going to be easy. As I said before, you know, I thought that it was going to be rocking chair, golf, and fishing, <laughs> but that wasn't God's plan. He said, no, Craig, you're not done yet. So it's not always easy. We have to be open to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. You know, when God gives us something to do, we don't argue with him. We just salute and say, yes, sir. <laughs> we go out on mission to share the gospel. We are also called to be of comfort to others. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you have a part of the Bible, a scripture verse or section that just resonates with you? That it's just part of your life and, and it, you just live it and, and they're going to read it at your funeral? <laughs> this is mine. This is mine. Because I have learned that everything that I've been through in my life has been for a reason, been for a purpose. It all started, well, when I was growing up, it was not an easy life. It wasn't, you know, suburbs and Donna Reed and all that stuff. Any of the, those of you who remember who Donna Reed was. <laughs> when I was in the seventh grade, when I was in junior high school in seventh grade, and I had no clue this was coming, came home from school one day. Yeah, and I walked in the bedroom, and there on my bed was my suitcase with all my earthly possessions in the suitcase. Zipped and ready to go. Beds had been stripped. My toys were all sitting out on my desk and so forth. And my dad walked in the bedroom. He says, we got to go. And I said, go where? He said, we have to leave. I said, when? He says, right now. Dad had lost his job. I had no clue it was coming, but dad had lost his job, and the house had been repossessed, and we had to leave. So... We wound up living in, with my aunt and uncle in their basement for a couple of months until that didn't work out anymore. Then we wound up moving in with grandma and um, living in her basement. <laughs> I was on a cot, seventh, eighth grade, all the way through high school. I was on a cot, uh, sleeping in the basement. And I found myself asking this question a lot. Why does it seem so easy for them? I watched my classmates in high school who had everything. They had everything. They had cars. They had all the fancy clothes. They had, their life seemed so easy. So I kept asking this question of God, why is it so easy for them? What I found out later was that I was going through the University of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you'll find this to be true in your life too. The things that you go through in your daily life, what's happening is God is shaping you and molding you and toughening you up for a couple of reasons. One, so that you can be of comfort to others. It was not my plan to be ordained pastor. God's the one that made that happen. But what I find is happening in ministry is that all of the things, and it, and it wasn't just in high school. I mean, it wasn't like once I got married, it was a happy life. Because there's been roller coasters in that too, up and down, up and down, a lot of struggles, a lot of mistakes. But what I found, what I learned was is when I got into ministry was that what I'd been through, I'd been able to help, be of help to others. Oh, and I have another secret for you. In that Pastor John can attest to this, Pastor Tim can attest to this. In our ministry to you and to so many people, I have to tell you, when you ask the question, why does it seem so easy for them, I'm going to let you know something, it's not. It's not easy for them. Because they have a lot of things going on in their life that you don't know about. And one of the things they, a lot of people have going on in their lives is they're looking for a way to deal with what's going on. And God has called you to be of comfort to them and to help them through it. Because it's the gospel that gives us strength. Now, this might sound strange, but instead of asking why does it seem so easy for them, thank God for the times that you have had to struggle, that it's not been easy, because that's where we learn the most. 
He's in our weaknesses and in our struggles. And that's the point that Paul is eventually making to these Corinthians. In chapter 11, verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Then he goes on to talk about a failed mission. The first mission that he was called to following his being uh, or, um, uh, called by God was to Damascus. And his mission to Damascus was an utter failure to the point where people hated him and he had to get out of town. And he, had, he actually he literally became a basket case <laughs> because his friends carried, uh, put him down over a basket over the wall of Damascus to get him out of town. And as he left, you could almost hear Paul going like, yeah, I've learned a lot here. I've learned a lot in my failure, in my weakness, and that's what I'm going to boast about. If I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about my mistakes, my failures, the hard times that I've been through, because it's in my weaknesses and my failures that God has strengthened me. And he writes that to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3, he points out to them that all those things that he once counted as gain, he now counts them as loss in contrast to what he has learned. And here's the thing. You and I are constantly bombarded in this world by teachings and by philosophies that tell us that it's what we are, that it's our natural abilities, our good looks, or how we talk, or all the exercise we get, or who we are in life, that it's all those things that make us an acceptable child of God, the number of friends that we have on Facebook. And Paul, you know what he's saying here? He's saying, that's a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of baloney. What makes you a child of God is Christ in you. And it's when Christ is in you that you know, and you all know this too, any Christian knows this, that when Christ is in you, then you can go out and share the gospel and people will listen to what you have to say. When Christ is at work in you, you, when you are ready to let him work in you and do those things, What's your testimony? What's your testimony? How has Christ made you strong in weakness? Because that's what people need to hear. As I said just a little couple of minutes ago, when we ask the question, why is it so easy for them? It's not. And actually what they're doing is they're faking it. They're faking it. And what they need to hear is what a normal Christian life is in this world that is broken and stained by sin. They need to hear the love of God for them. And that's only going to come through the gospel, through you. So what is your testimony? You know, there are people that are watching us as Christians. And there are things that we have going on in our lives that they know about. And think about this. They may be asking themselves this question about you. Why does it seem so easy for them with all that they've got going on and experiencing all those things. How do they do that? And when they ask you that question, how you're holding up through all that you're experiencing, that's when you get to tell them about Jesus. And while, how he has made you strong in what you've been through. And that's what our prayer is for you today. That he would enable you to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning giving thanks and praise to you You have taken care of all of our needs. You've taken care of our spiritual needs. You have, by your grace and your love, sent your Son into this world to die for us. You, by grace, have granted us faith that we may live with you one day forever in heaven. 
You have also provided for all that we need in the daily life. You've given us shelter, clothing, food. You've given us things to do. We pray and ask that as we go about living this day, from this day forward, as we go about living, that you would strengthen us, enable us to the tasks that you have put in front of us, that we may live the gospel, that we may take it to heart and to live it for you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his confidence upon you and grant you his peace.